Captain's log, stardate 75454. We are in orbit of Earth, but somehow I feel uneasy being here. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Commander David is conducting research on quantum mechanics after recent reports of temporal anomalies throughout the various quadrants. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to making every moment count. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another voyage here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me in the land of ear microphones, the one, the only, Lieutenant Commander David. Anyway, anyways, everyone, welcome to another another adventure here on the podcast. Um, good grief! How do you recover from that one? I don't. I don't even know. I, I I don't know. Maybe we need to collapse this timeline, Chase. That's a great idea. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another adventure here on the podcast. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me another episode of These Are the Voyages is Lieutenant Commander Ensign First Officer, Mother of Dragons, first of his name, David. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that we could get the title out of the way, that you remember exactly the phrasing. It's, it's, it's really good. It's nice to meet you, Chase. Absolutely. Do we need to collapse this timeline, too? Uh, I mean, we might as well probably have to do at least six or seven times before we get there, you know? Okay. Uh, maybe visit the, the, the wine fields in Navarre. You know, maybe we can, uh, you know, uh, get some archaeology on, you know? Yeah, let's let's go ahead. Dust off some bones. We got we to gotta use like an Omicron or something like that. We got to collapse sure. this timeline right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Contingency Plan Podcast. I'm Jedi Master Chase, and joining me as always is Darth David. What? What? Where? When? When am I? (laughs) No! (laughs) All right, everyone, thank you for putting up with our antics. As we start this show, we are. That was we good. Are, that was off the cuff. That was nice. That, that was off the cuff, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief! Yeah, we are. We're going to be diving into the final book in the Star Trek Coda trilogy, um, Oblivion's Gate. Um, but before we collapse any more timelines and try and return to the prime timeline of this podcast, how's your week been, Bud? How have things been going on in your world? Oh boy, it's been long. It's been a long week. It shouldn't have been, but it, it's been very long. I uh, wrapped up my my old job and started my new job, and uh, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot to wrap up, and uh, there's a lot to get started on. So yeah, it, it's it's been a very it's been a long. It's just been a long week. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy for for a weekend. I was like. Oh yeah, it'll be great. You know, tomorrow watch the Browns play. Oh no, they're moving it because all their teams got COVID. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, I was talking to a friend earlier who was supposed to go up there on this whole whole like bus tour and like mm-hmm. you go up on the bus and you pick up a stadium and you got drinks in the bus and it's all great and all this good stuff and it's like I can't take off Monday. <laughs> I can't <laughs> reschedule this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Holiday season. Mm-hmm. Holiday season's here. I already I told Chase beforehand that I'm I'm just done with gifts <laughs> i'm just mm. done thinking about it i don't even want to think about that anymore yeah who everybody's just getting twenty dollars in a card <laughs> that or like a petrified turd something like that uh, preferably yeah it's fine you know. it's the gift that keeps on giving we were we just watched um um not too long ago we were watching uh, christmas vacation uh, with oh, chevy yeah, chase yeah yeah, yeah. um my wife's not the biggest fan of it just because it's like one of those movies where like something bad like just continuously happens right yeah yeah and um i I just love the part with cousin eddie where um clark finds out that he's been subscribed to the jelly of the month club (laughs) clark that's the gift that keeps on giving all year long (laughs) please please no one send me a, a subscription to the jelly of the month club send that to david david is looking for re-gifting ideas for next year. I'm just saying. Yes, you can send that at Twitter at not Eric. This is not Eric on Twitter. <laughs> now, see, there's there's that bit again. There's that bit with with freaking Eric. I mean, why not? Let's just let's just send him some some, and like we'll see if he actually listens to these these episodes, yeah, these book I reviews mean, th- we do. There's got to be right. Like there has to be a jelly of the month. Right. There, there, there has to be. I feel like we could like find this out like on the fly if we really wanted to. I mean, there's wine of the month club. I've been using like today's sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. There's no sponsor, but I have I have been using that HelloFresh for a little bit. You know, I got like a bunch you know a bunch of free boxes. I've been trying that. That's nice. So I can get food. I can get wine. You got to get jelly. Like from some little old lady in like Kansas or something. She's just making it. Oh my goodness, man! I, okay, so I just did a quick Google. I used my Google, by the way. Um, I tapped into the L cars, and I, I just did like you know Jelly of the Month, and it like autofilled, and I hit go. There is a Jam and Jelly of the Month, independently rated number one for seven years, as seen in the Wall Street Journal. Here we go. Each month, we'll deliver a new selection of delicious gourmet jams and jellies, produced in small batches by boutique regional jam and jelly makers around the world. Each oh, shipment bo- bo- inclu- boutique? Boutique, yes. Each shipment <laughs> includes two varieties of premium fruit preserves made with only the finest all-natural ingredients, and each monthly delivery is covered by our unbeatable, they'll love it, guarantee. I want this business to go under right now. <laughs> what? I want, it to, I want it to die a slow death. Oh my god, it's Look, a real thing. I mean, I, I'm fine with it being a real, but come try our boutique jams and jellies and natural <laughs> preserves. Each oh. month, they're oh. handmade by 80 year old, 80 year old ladies with love. This month, better. I have made strawberry preserves just for you. It gets better. As featured on Good Morning America. Yes. The early show. Today. 
Wall Shark Street Tank. Journal, and USA Today. Shark Tank. <laughs> wow. There's a subscription model for everything, man. Ooh, well, David, hold on, back the truck up. You might, you might like this other one, that that's on the side. <laughs> Hot Sauce Club. <laughs> I've seen, I've, I've thought about those. Well, the, the, the guys who do hot ones, the YouTube thing, have like a whole hot sauce deal. Like you can get a box from them and whatnot. I've thought about it. Mm. I love hot sauces. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Leaving soon. Don't leave us. It's just this stupid pop-up. Like, don't leave us. Don't leave us. Well, you know who else loves subscription services? I don't know. That wasn't a good segue. No, that was not a good segue at all. <laughs> Everyone, we are about to go into spoiler territory. So this is your red alert. If you um, don't want to know, if you don't want things spoiled, I should say, if you don't want things spoiled, pause right now. Go read the book. Go listen to it. Go do whatever you got to do. I mean, go find someone's random review on YouTube or whatever. I don't care. Um, and then come back um, and you can hear our review of it. Um, otherwise, if you just don't give a crap, Cool. Keep on listening. So, David, we started this journey of this trilogy, um, it's hard to believe, two, three months ago, basically, mm -hmm. uh, with Moments Asunder. Last month, we did, um, obviously, Ashes of Tomorrow, the, the second book, and now here we are with Oblivion's Gate. And this has very much been an event uh, book series just like one right after the other, just in such quick succession. Yeah. And um, like it went by really fast, but also went by really slow for me at the same time. I don't, I don't know how you, how you experienced or what you, what you thought about it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can understand where you, where you'd come, where, where you come from. It's, it's actually kind of funny that it's only been a couple of months, but they did really come out pretty rapid fire uh, yeah, and you know what? If you can explain, explain to me this. So this is supposed to be like the kind of like end of an era type of thing. That's right. Why? So, so I think as I pointed out in the first uh, book review with Moments Asunder, that. For one, I have not read the last 20-some-odd years of Star Trek literature, okay? <laughs> yeah. And it's like we're kind of doing this, like, bass-ackwards, essentially, in the grand scheme of things. It's fantastic, fantastic. Love when that happens. Um, it's my understanding that because of, you know, Enterprise ending in 2005 with the, the last next-gen movie coming out in 2002... The books were meant to kind of like just carry the torch and to kind of keep the spirit of Trek alive and all the legacy characters alive and stuff like that. And because there's been the revival of like this current Star Trek, um, it was essentially decided that like we needed to bury like all these other timelines for whatever reason. We needed to bury like this lit verse so that the current era of Star Trek um, can continue like with the new stories and the current canon that it's building off of essentially without complicating it and muddying it yeah. too much is my understanding. That sounds oddly familiar, Chase. 
I wonder like something why. Something from a galaxy. David. Far, far away. Where a mouse hmm. bought it all for about $4 billion. No, that's jump change. That's like, that's admission to Disney now, isn't it? No, it, yeah, no, I, I wasn't quite sure why it was in it. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, th there are some stories, though, that are mildly interesting to me, I guess. I'm not even sure if they're stories or if they're just moments that briefly get examined in these books, like the whole Spock and Worf thing. Yeah. Like where they had a mind meld. It's like, can I get that book? Um, even maybe some of this stuff with, with Data and Lol, you know, kind of coming back to life. You know, yeah. Being reincarnated. That's kind of interesting. Why uh, Starfleet decided to not make Picard an admiral, but Riker an admiral? Starfleet nepotism mm. never ceases mm -mm. to amaze me. <laughs> no, it, it, but, but yeah, I, I, I guess that can make some sense, I, I suppose. But, I mean, right now in the Star Trek timeline, we're like 900 years in the future, aren't we? We are, yeah. So, what does it matter, Chase? I guess it really doesn't, but I guess it really doesn't. But the thing that... I know that the authors have done in each of the books is they've shared like their perspective on being approached essentially to do these stories and like what are you out of your Vulcan mind like wanting to to like do this storyline you know like to bring like 20 years of this current lit verse to an end uh, you know that that's that's the crazy part that they've been that they were kind of like dealing with I think um in fact, I think it was David Mack, the author of this book right here, who was kind of the the one championing it. Like, look, guys, like I think he was the one that like went to Dayton Ward, who was the author of the first book, um, that and like kind of got him on board. And I think James Swallow, like I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I think if I'm remembering right, James Swallow was the one that was I think the most apprehensive about coming on, and. Yeah. And like they were just kind of stuck in that thing of like either we do it or it's never going to get done, basically. Which, that was their concern. No offense to your fandom, but like that was their concern. Like, if we don't do this, then we might, it just might just get turned into like a legends, and like there's not going to be like a final farewell essentially to the story the stories that we yeah. and other authors have been telling for twenty years. Yeah. No, I, I mean I, I can get that. I guess I am interested in how they, the decision process and how they made or how they came to the decision that this was the way to end it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that this was the way to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, the, the Star, the Star Wars um, extended universe now called Legends was, I mean, it was so, so muddy. Yeah, you could read one series, but then have contradictions in another series, or you know, people have their favorite parts of different things, and yeah, I mean, uh, it, it probably needed to be wiped out if you're going to establish a new line, and nobody was going to be happy about it. 
mm-hmm. but that I mean you, you gotta you gotta kind of blame the boss though because George Lucas just said yeah sure have fun guys I don't want anything to do with it let me make an Ewok movie so <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on my CGI. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I was just interested in that. Obviously, I know you know more than I do about kind of the thought process of that. It just it seemed like an interesting path to take to end. I mean, it's yeah. Listen, they ended it. Boy, did <laughs> they, they end it. They didn't just end it. They ended it. <laughs> One thing. So I was listening to. Uh, uh, part of an interview with David Mack on um, another, uh, I think it was like some other podcast that he was guesting on, kind of talking about the book and um, like some of the ideas and some of the developments, not just like with Oblivion's Gate, which we're talking about right now, but also just the whole Coda series as a whole. And one of the one of the the hosts was asking, like, you know, what do you do in terms of like approaching other authors that have created these storylines in terms of like what you're going to do with these characters and there was there was this decision I think early on that in no uncertain terms are you allowed to do anything with Voyager like the Voyager storylines that were taking Mm -hmm. place because apparently um, there's been a lot of development a lot of work that's been put into like the Voyager like books and stories that have been in development for a while and to do so would just essentially undermine the amount of um, development that's been taking place now whether it's directly connected or will be connected to like a Prodigy or a Picard or whatever series I don't know but that was one thing that I did find very interesting because I know we we see a lot of like famous faces right throughout this this yeah. three part story, like namely from the Voyager crew, um, we see Paris, right? Yep. Um, Balana. We see Balana. Yeah. Um, Tuvok. Mm-hmm. Tuvok and Tuvok playing a a pretty important role at, at one point in uh, chapter <clears throat> thirty one of um, of this book. That's oddly specific, Chase, that you know the exact chapter. <laughs> Was that, is that going to be one of your points? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. But well, yeah, they, they did. They, they st- well, I mean, we've talked about two other books. They've stuffed a lot in, in here. I mean, by the time we exited our, our second book, I mean, our crew was... I mean, Spock and Cisco and Bashir and Picard and, you know, Kira. And, you know, it was, it was every, like everybody, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and it, I mean, did it grow more? Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it did. A little it bit. grew more. <laughs> A little so. bit. <laughs> You know, and I, I, I guess I guess I'd camp out just a wee bit on there in in non-spoiler land, but I felt like at times you could definitely tell how nostalgic these writers were. Sure. 
when they were putting these this line together you know the references that they've made the the characters that they've brought back or or brought in and to a point you know it, it's almost at times it felt like a little bit too much like i had to keep up with who who who, who was uh, this guy yeah oh that person oh uh the, who is this that and the other so I, I i don't know like i you know i like sometimes just concise stories <laughs> it's usually why i like the first marvel movie in the line like the first captain america the first iron man you know it's it's not very complicated it's, it's just a story that i can watch and then, oh, Avengers 15, where we have every single superhero from multiple verses fighting the unstoppable, immovable force, you know? And it's like, okay, all right, which coincidentally, did watch new Spider-Man, no spoilers. Very good, though. If you haven't watched it, that's a good thing. We are going to be trying very, very hard to see it opening weekend. It's already, which is, here. It's already here, Chase. Which is right now. No, it was good. There were, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of cheering. Like, I haven't really been in a theater for a while where people were, like, going this nuts. And I was sitting next to this guy who mm. I thought possibly could have been, this is a joke, do not take this seriously, but who could have been an active shooter. Uh, <laughs> just, what? He, he, he was just not, he, when I sat down next to it, because, you know, it's like you buy the single ticket, I went alone with this one. You just buy the ticket, and it's like a lot of the, the in this theater, the seats are like where you could take up the middle. You bring your girl, you put your arm around her, you put up the middle of the seat, and you like have a little couch to sit on. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so you know, I had my big tub of popcorn because I love popcorn, and like I'm sitting next to this guy, I'm like trying to lean off to the side so I don't like put my hand on his, you know, type of deal. And <laughs> right, every right. <laughs> But, you know, he, he, everybody's whooping and hollering early on, and he's just like, he's just sort of like laying back. It's like, do you like, do you, do you like Spider-Man? Or do you not like this? Like, <laughs> am I going to have to tackle you later? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a joke, I promise. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a good movie, though. I, I, I recommend, it, it could have been shorter, though. They could have chopped some stuff up. What was the runtime, by the way? Oh my god, it was like almost three hours. It was, it was like over two and a half, I think. Goodness. It was it was long. Okay. They could have chopped some stuff down. It you got know, real nostalgic too. <laughs> you know what was really long? The audiobook for this. Yeah, the audiobook did run a little bit long, didn't it? Just a wee bit. But um, anyways, if you didn't see the screenshot that I sent you earlier, David, uh, before we recorded, um, um, David knows which speed I, I listen to um, to books now. Um, so which usually cuts off like about, you know, a, at least a couple hours of listening. Um, I, I keep it at a 1.6 or crying out loud. So um, it really it really makes listening a lot more manageable. But I think this was if you just like listen to it like at normal speed, it would have been like, what, 15 some odd hours. I think it was 15, 16 hours. It was a long one. I mean, heck, the the new Thrawn book came out. It is a 24-hour audiobook. Wow. I, I, I've been pushing that one off. 
Yeah, I'll probably have to buy the book and physically read it because I don't think I can do 24 hours. But yeah, it was a long one. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Look at this, man. This is a thick book. I mean, you, yeah. people in, in listener land can't see this, but this is a thick book. It's 40, pa- it's 40 chapters. Um, and where'd it go? Hold on. 416 pages of story. And then, of course, we have like a little like final tweet from Leonard Nimoy at the very end and then like a little yeah what yeah. grace note like wrap up note acknowledgement thingamajig yeah. Yeah, well you know the, the, just actually getting back to the review of the book um, mm. we did have multiple storylines going on in here and, and just structurally structurally from a from a chapter standpoint it, it they tried to write each chapter with a piece of each of the th- kind of three main storylines, which I'll be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. It, it's like you're trying to shove too much into one thing. And it's just like, listen, either you're going to have to do shorter chapters or you're going to have to make one, like one storyline, the big storyline, and then two supporting storylines that you can shove in, in their own chapter. But doing this kind of co-mingling Mm-hmm. 40 chapters. So it, I was I was thinking about this, too. Um, just out of curiosity, have you ever read the um, the Divergent series by chance? Not, no. Okay, so uh, the, the Divergent series, great, great series as far as I'm concerned, except for the third book. Um, and the reason I say that is the author completely departs from like how they structured the storytelling from the first two books and it just it does not like the pacing and everything just it's really hard to like get into the story and like feel connected to it gotcha and when i was reading so this was like one of the books that i'm really glad that i had the the printed version of the paperback version of just because listening to it, I'm not gonna lie, David, there were quite a few times that I was all sorts of confused with what the heck was going on. Same, yeah. All sorts of confused. So like, I feel as though the audiobook, even though Robert Petkoff is like the goat as far as I'm concerned when it comes to like narration with these Star Trek books, it was just so disconnected, disjointed throughout. I I'm of the opinion and I'd love to get your take on this by the way. I'm of the opinion that this final book would have benefited from a Tolkien type structure in the sense of like we have like one part of a fellowship that's doing this this quest and then we have like another part doing this quest and then we all come together in at a later time and we wrap it up basically well it could have been infinite from a from a couple of things but yes i do i agree with that i do agree with that um i would also say it would have been okay so i've already i've talked about this before but like my one of my favorite series patrick o'brien right and commander that sort of thing so when he was writing in the process of writing the 21st book, which he never was able to finish because he passed away. One of the notes, I think it was, it was like the, the end of the, you know, that book, you know, the, uh, you know, 
the beginning, they call the forward, whatever they call the afterword or whatever. Maybe it's the afterword, I don't know. Anyway, so some of the notation was, you know, that as a writer, one of the things is, is he would write things down, but he would take a while to go back through everything because one of his sort of like, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to necessarily impose, but like a pet peeve would be repeating sure. words repeating the same phrases and so forth so you know you try and mix it up one of the thing one of the things i noticed from the writing standpoint there was a lot of um what was it like uh godlike hammering or the hammer of god or god bless or you know that sort of like almost sort of repetitive um uh i, I it's late and i can't think of words um, which apparently he couldn't either. Uh, but he did come up with some creative words, which I felt out of place at times. So again, I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying that like, I, I'm really sensitive to repetitive things, like hypersensitive to repet uh, repetitive things, um, just like I was repetitive there. Uh, but you know, the, there were certain things that could have benefited from like an edit, like go back through. And I don't know if they were just trying to push this out quickly, but maybe just let's go back through a second eye. And then another thing from Robert Petkoff's standpoint, I noticed some strange pronunciations throughout the read. And I wondered if that was, again, because we're dealing with multiple splinter lines and like differences. And we, yeah. you know, spoiler, this is not the prime timeline. We've established that this was an offshoot line that should have yes. never happened. Yes. Um, so I wonder if they if that was intentional, but some of the mis mispronunciations were didn't feel intentional to me. It felt like just a bad read. And I apologize, I can't really automatically think of it, but you know I, exactly what some of those were off the top of my head. I probably should have written them down as I was listening, but it was it was odd. It stuck out to me a couple of times. Um, and it was it was mainly names. It was pr pronunciation of names. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a bit strange because Robert Petkoff does Star Trek, but he also does Star Wars too. Sure. So like sure. I've been listening to Robert Petkoff for a long time. He's become to me better than Mark Thompson, who did like he he's the major Star Wars guy. And Mark Thompson to me is getting a little annoying with some of his um, some of his accents. To be honest. Okay. But, yeah, I, I, that was kind of strange. Um, but, yes, going back, I do agree that it, it probably could have benefited a little bit more from, a, from like, a Tolkien kind of approach where we're, where we're splitting things up a little bit. Because they were split, but, again, they were just trying to uh, uh, it was smash so them. Yeah, it was so, so truncated, right? Like, yeah. with, with how, how they were, like, telling the story and... Like part of me understands like, yes, you want you want people to be invested in the story. You want them to be connected to the story. You want them to know what the devil's going on. But like just like, you know, give it give it like a little room to breathe for crying out loud. You know, um, I think the 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 alternate twenty three seventy three timeline, that's all I'm going to say that uh, we kept going back to, like the, the, the um, special ops mission that we were doing constantly with the 2373 alternate timeline, that could have, I think, 
easily been done in just a handful of chapters instead of just constantly like just stretch it, se- it just seemed like they were just constantly stretching it out for the sake of stretching it out in this book well and the, yeah that that's another point because like for me the very beginning couple chapters of the book seemed like we were going at light speed and then all of a sudden it just like went to a literal snail crawl agree i would which, agree with that yeah it, it was just strange it's like oh god we're gonna resolve this already i'm like four chapters in what are, there's no way we're gonna resolve there's still like 12 hours left you know mm-hmm. what, what, what are we gonna do mm-hmm. uh, and, but they did they 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 really stretched it but i i'll say i'll say the one thing about kind of getting back to one of your points there this is a is a goodbye book it's a character book so the feeling isn't necessarily going to be in the narrative however there was so much narrative that at times I think, and this this is personal, but I, I think that there are people out there who are probably going to miss some really great character moments. Like there were a couple of character moments in here that that really showed the the strength of certain characters. I'll say Worf was one of them. Like the very end of that was. Uh, crazy impactful it was it was one of the it was the best part of this book for me was mm-hmm. Worf's story um even even Riker the end of Riker's story I thought was was really good it took way too long to get there in my opinion 31 but, chapters in another book yeah but it got there and it was like great this is this is this is really good um I think if they would have focused more on the individual characters and less on this big goodbye narrative and trying to stretch out what I feel, I God, I feel like I'm really hammering down on this, but like th- this kind of overly attempted, clever, huge narrative and just made it about the characters, I think it would have been a better overall book. And I'm not saying it's a bad book. I'm just saying I feel like, not a writer, but I feel like it could have been better. And sure. Mm-hmm. I think that the all the goodbyes were very poignant. And I think I thought that the goodbyes were very uh, well written by all kind accounts. Of. The the one I there there were there was one that really got me. And it just surprised me how much it got me. And it had to do with Jordy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, so there was, a, there was a goodbye when it came to Jordy that just completely messed with me. And I don't know if, it was, if that was one of the, the goodbyes that you enjoyed or not. But um, Well, I mean, we, we, could, we could take an entire hour just to talk about the, that's the name of the episode the long goodbye hey <laughs> you remembered an episode name. it Good calls job. back it calls back in two ways hey yeah well i mean i, I yeah jordy's jordy's was jordy's was was jordy's was good i think they did christine vale kind of dirty I, I'd agree with that. I didn't really care for that. But again, one cog in the wheel. I get it. 
and who 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 would have been who who took over after uh, Christine? Was it Sarai? I believe it was. Yeah. I am impressed. If that's true, that's that's a that's like one of my best callbacks ever because I have no idea who that <laughs> character even is in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think I think Data and Law. I, I think was was it was fine for for who they are. Um, Picards, though, I did not care for. Yeah, that's one I I did I didn't I didn't care for that. It was it was too much of a tapestry moment, and I like tapestry, but you so let that Picard, be its thing. Which Picard moment? Well, that's the interesting thing. Um, I like Luke. Luke Picard. I actually like Luke Picard a lot. I thought that was a cool guy. Shut so, up, Wesley. Okay, this is one thing I am going to like straight up spoil and I am not going to apologize for. Do it. So, I liked Luke up to a certain point. And it was the point when he was talking about your um what was the what was the term like your uh, patron your whatever uh, Gull Madrid and oh yeah and I'm like you gotta be kidding me so this is the alternate version of Jean Luc that gave into the the stuff that happened in Chain of Command where he yeah. gave up his freedom of thought and who he was. To have a cushy life doing whatever as an archaeologist on Cardassia. Right. No thank you. No thank you. And then we and then we yeah. had had uh what was it? Uh, another spoiler, Kalar, who basically turned him into a puppet until he decided to be a captain on his own. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, I mean I, I I think I think the only thing with that is is that this 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 Picard, I th I think there are more twists and turns than just that one instance, that one single change. Because if you if you take Picard all the way up to four lights, and then just give him the Kush life, right? But then try and turn him around. I think even if you look at it from a standpoint of like guilt or regret, I think that he still wouldn't necessarily need someone to, to make command decisions for him. Because at that point he's already, if we're saying he did everything that Picard did up to the lights. So I think that this, this guy is, was basically like somebody who probably stumbled on the marathon. Like he didn't win the marathon. Sure. Like he had a couple of stumbling blocks. Like maybe he captained the stargazer for a little while, but he got court martialed. I don't know. Something had to happen up to that point to to because he was he was different. He was a way different guy. The only the only yeah. the only thing is is like I, I, I get I guess for me he still he still retained enough of the of the Picard that we kind of know to in the end do the right thing it was that that the, the whole thing was like 
making the redemption at the end, he still had the capability to do the right thing, which I thought was good. But Kalar, dude, first of all, I wish they wouldn't have killed off Kalar in Next Gen. That was... I, I like Kalar. I liked her a lot. I wish they would have done something different, but I understand. I get it. It is what it is. But that whole line was my, again, my favorite. I, I like Worf. He was always my favorite. Um, I will say, though, <laughs> stop thinking, Worf. Take your pants off. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> 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 oh, how many times did we have to hear about trousers in this book? Um, at least five times. That's at for least sure. five times. But at the end, you know, fighting alongside Alexander, who is not a warrior, he, he even even you know in this he he was a diplomat, um, you know, an ambassador. You know, he took over for his father and all that good sort of stuff. But like to to have them to have them just be Klingon. I like the whole idea of the Klingons in a way. I would never want to meet them. You know, I would never want to have to go up against them. But there, there is there is a kind of, uh, you know, primal side of the whole Klingon story that, you know, that reaches back to, you know, some primal side of human nature where we sometimes we don't give in to flight. We do want to fight. You know, we do want to be aggressive. Right. We want to yeah. go out and do the honorable thing, whatever that might mean. And to have them come back back together as, as sort of this weird inner multi-dimensional family was kind of nice you know they, they they bonded on a level that is was uniquely Klingon that humans probably couldn't understand and at that point despite Kalar being from an alternate you know universe or whatever uh, they were reunited in their own end and I like that I like and, and even the even the part where so I mean, again, spoilery, but Worf goes down first. Alexander reacts like Alexander would to pull his father away instead of keep fighting. He goes down, then Kalar fights over them, and then she finally goes down. That is exactly how it will always go down if they, you know, maintain their perspective time because Worf is always going to be the one in the front that because he's trying to protect his family. Right. It's, it's just yeah. their nature playing out. So again, that that was that was definitely my favorite my favorite part. But but t- talk about Jordy. Let's talk about Jordy Chase. No, no, talk no, no, it. no, no. I don't need therapy right now. I don't. I so I was driving um, to go get some some uh, like some shopping done for for Christmas and everything like that. And I get to this part in the story where. Um, like all the all the discussion of of stuff like is kind of coming coming to fruition. Like the card saying his thing to Data, and Jordy is also um, kind of talking through his thing. And like, oh my gosh, I only got like, you know, like this is it, this is it. Like after this, like this timeline is just like not gonna happen. And mm-hmm. and like Data, like he's asking like Data, like you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And he's like nothing like effectively nothing yeah and like talk about like a punch in the gut man like look we i can't remember how long ago it was maybe like close to a year ago by now i want to say we did a best of best friends 
episode here on the podcast. And Data and Jordy will always be like like BFFs. That, like that's for dang sure. And just knowing that even though it's not the same data in this, like there's like, you know, Star Trek magic stuff that like makes it weird. But mm-hmm. the fact that there's in this reincarnation, this resurrection thing, um, holy crap. Holy crap. Like whenever... Like that part of the dialogue, and I'm not going to get it right, so I'm not even going to try, but basically like talking about like the, this key sequence and this algorithm of sorts that has to take place in order for this thing to happen to trigger that thing to do the thing that's going to save the thing to end the thing, yep. um, basically. That made no sense. If you know, you know. I mean, that's fine. David knows. <laughs> uh, that rocked my world and just like, like kind of hearing like the dialogue that Jordy's having kind of with himself of like, man, there's like so much I wish I could have said. And I think like, that's the thing that like when we get to like um, maybe like a friendship or, or a relationship of some kind has ended that we've like regretted it ending. Like yeah. we wish we would have said things or done things different. And just like knowing like, look, these are folks that dressed up as freaking Sherlock Holmes and Watson <laughs> on the holodeck, <laughs> you know, like they did all sorts of things together. And God, man, like it was, it was as close to perfect as it could be in my book with how, how it was written and how it was handled in this, in this particular story. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, up until, I mean, whenever data got the emotion ship and even really not, I mean, not really even then because he would still be working through even what any of those emotions would have been he wouldn't have necessarily been able to have shown the emotional side of friendship to Jordy. So while what was, what was the during next gen, it's like something about, you know, when people around, uh, I build circuit pathways and when they're not there, uh, they're oh, not used or something yeah. like that. He was trying to basically say that he missed people because his circuit pathways weren't firing or whatever crap that was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he would have never been able to show any of that actual emotion. And then even when he gets emotions, he has to learn what the what the emotions are and how they kind of metastasize in everyday life. And so now you have a data who has been sort of fused with his father with Nuni and soon sort of body thing and his emotions and everything. So yeah, it was, it was really impactful because this is like potentially the first time Jordy ever actually found, would have felt the reciprocal friendship, like the true emotional side of the reciprocal friendship with data. So that was, yeah, that was really good. I, I thought that was, that was really good uh, to, to see. Yeah. I think the thing that you were looking for was, um, it's just that our mental pathways have become accustomed to your sensory input patterns. There you go. Mm. I understand. I'm also fond of you, Commander. Yeah. And you as well, Counselor. That's right. That's what it is. Which is also from one of my absolute favorite, which is also connected to the story, Time's Arrow. Where we meet the freaking Davidians, for crying out loud. Oh, wow. I did that without even thinking about it. Yes. Well done. Done. Second, David. second callback. Actually, third. Technically, third callback today that it was unintentional. <laughs> I think. Um, I think our very own Lieutenant Commander Info is um, is rubbing off on you. Apparently, I think so. 
So we, we haven't even really talked about anything really plot-wise at all, have we? We've just been no. I mean, about like this has been straight up like a freaking character book, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you like you pointed out. Um, well, I mean, the, the the plot the plot's not all it's not all that difficult, really. I mean, it's go stop the thing. Basically, we have to like reverse engineer the thing to save everything. Yeah, the the only thing that I got confused about was the role of Wesley in all of this. And and maybe maybe you caught it cuz I I didn't get it. Like eventually Wesley always winds up being dissected by the Davidians, but to what end? Was that do you remember what that was? So because he's a traveler, he's able to see, experience, connect to um, different planes of existence. Mm-hmm. And because we have, because the traveler can, travelers, and because he was reborn as a traveler um, in A Time to Be Born, which is a book that we obviously haven't read. Um, yeah, so he's constantly losing, constantly being um, dissected and um experimented with on through whatever um, so that they can gain some kind of advantage like with all these different fractured timelines essentially is, is kind of how I understand it no okay well, yeah, that's all I got sweet I, I get paid by the letter <laughs> <laughs> very nice <laughs> but, but yeah you're I mean you're right essentially it was just go stop this you know we we kind of learn about I mean, this timeline all got started because the Borg shot a Borg thing at the Enterprise in first contact and made an alternate branching line. So, I don't know if you noticed this, but all the next-gen movies got referenced in this book. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and look, I like Insurrection. That was BS. That was a stupid callback. No offense... But it felt like it felt like we were just trying to put Star Trek in Star Trek at that point. I was thinking the same thing. That that, that didn't mean I, I like I like Insurrection. I just didn't I didn't feel like the reference added anything here. But you're you're right. They really did. I mean, like later on, you know, we have like the callback to the 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 photo album and some other stuff from Generations. Yeah. We That's have right. the reference to the scimitar and Data's sacrifice on the scimitar. Yep. Obviously, we have the Borg incursion type stuff and like creating this. Well, we see it in the movie. We see very, very briefly a an alternate Borg timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh we, yeah, we get a seven foot tall dummy, dummy mommy here, Borg. You know, just seven foot tall, just step on me. I can't. I can't. Yes, right queen. Step on me. Oh, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. I think she wears high heels. Look, Judith, I will find you. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> oh, boy. Grief. Yes, yeah. We went to Borg Planet. Borg Planet Earth. Intertime. So much intertime. Yeah, so much intertime. 2373, alternate Borg timeline. 
yeah, that's the other thing I was hitting at earlier, by the way. Well, there is there is kind of a mild, mild plot device that perhaps I overthought. So we're trying to collapse the Borg line. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, oh, I'm going to hold off on something because I was proved 100% correct. And all the Twitter polls were well worth it. So we had one other thing that happened that vindicates me. They're totally listening to me, by the way, Chase. So I'm That means they're listening to this podcast. Let's exactly. Go and that, and that, you know what? It pumps the ego up even more because Discovery is changing, and they're also listening to the podcast. And mm. they know we've been complaining, so they're trying to do better. Anyway, <laughs> so, so <laughs> okay. So, uh, and, and then uh, we have the whole Davidian base, yeah, sort of timeline or uh, section, but. With, you know what, I, I may or may not have accidentally forgot my, my line of thought because I was so vindicated by, by that. What was I saying, Chase, before that? That the Twitter polls were completely worth it. Yes, it before that, right. keep, keep rewinding. Um, it wow. probably, would it have to do with the, the alternate Borg planet? It did, it did have to do with the alternate Borg timeline. And the, but, like, um, uh, the plot device you were, is what you were talking about. Um, what did oh, it have to do with like... Go ahead. The pl- okay. Thank you. Yes, you did call it back. It's late. The, so the plot device. So when, when we go to uh, effectively triangulate these three pieces of story, the first thing to go down is the Borg timeline. The... We're effectively slow collapsing things, mm. but it's like the Marty McFly thing, right? So if Marty McFly kisses his mom and he's never born, then he just disappears. But in this, it's like we have we have data stopping the event that starts this timeline, but there's enough in quotations time to get everything else done. It's not all instantaneous. It's not like we're all pressing the button at the exact same time. There's no wipe. It takes time. Mm. But again, I'm not like quantum mechanics or like string theory, time study or whatever. I'm not that guy. But I would assume from my very lame brain, I'm not saying layman's, I'm just saying lame brain, that if you, if you, cut the cord of something that did happen wouldn't it be faster like would you have time to think about any of this stuff like I feel like you would all have to press the button at once maybe I'm overthinking it I mean quantum mechanics are hard okay (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that I that I you know completely uh, forgot my point and remembered my point for that great payoff <laughs> Sorry. no it, it just I don't know it just sort of seems like it, it's it's the delineation between the blink of an eye and then everything like collapsing like a like a like a, a leaf you know slowly withering yeah see this
I don't know. I mean, it's it's almost. I mean, I, I guess I kind of hear what you're saying, and maybe I'm getting confused with with it. I don't know, but it's, well, uh, it's, I, I mean, it's almost li- like it's it's like it's paradoxical in a way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, do we need the thing to do the other thing, or do we need the other thing to do the thing? Because that makes total right. sense with what I just said. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just overthought it a little bit when when I was you know listening to it. Cause like even even with cause data and law were um, were effectively triggering the deletion of the Borg, which coincidentally, uh, what happened to Julian? Cause I totally missed what happened to him. I think I did too. Like that was like one of the parts of the book where I was getting like really confused with what was going on. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah, he he must have been. I I don't know. That he probably died bravely, like everybody else. But right, I, I, but like, yeah, but like, seriously, <laughs> though, like that's that's what happens. Like he just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it was strange. But but it, but it, again, even when Data does his thing on on their part of the the plan, he still has, and they delineate it by like milliseconds. But he still has time to have a moment with with Lol, you know, mm-hmm. to share his fatherly. Oh yes, I sacrificed the robot that I loved so that I could create you because my father had an obsession with saving me, so I had an obsession for saving you. So Okay, thank you, Data. <laughs> <laughs> right, and like was it I mean it's it wasn't I mean it was kind of weird, but it wasn't that weird in um in that episode of Next Gen. You know, whenever we meet Law for the first time, mm-hmm. like in the fact that, like, you know, she's, you know, growing, developing beyond, you know, her father, which is the hope of of any parent, I think, mm-hmm. like to do better than you did. Um, but the fact that he still kind of has her memories and she's like right there also is just kind of weird to me. But I'll I'll leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, I. <laughs> It's it's a non-issue. It's just just an observation. Yeah. Um. You, you want to talk about how I was t- completely vindicated and everybody's totally listening to this podcast? Well, before yeah, I want to get to that in a second, um, but I want to also potentially say something that I might just delete in post, um, <laughs> just so I feel better. I was having. I do want to hear what you say, so don't forget it. No, by you're the way. good. Um, I was having some issues with like how travelers were being described at times in this book. Um, straight up as the alpha, the omega. Mm. I'm going to. Um, uh, what was also said? Um, something about like I loved you from the beginning of time until the very end like all this like like godlike messianic stuff was just really rubbing me the wrong way I'm completely blanking on that I don't remember okay yeah that was just like bugging the crap out of me was not a fan how did how did it specifically come into play it was um So I want to say, oh crap, where was that? 
it was right around the time that uh, Wesley was like biting the dust and kind of like releasing his spirit essentially mm-hmm. and was like communicating with Crusher. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, then, I, okay, it yeah. was like right in that, like that tri state area of the book. Like when a lot of these, that stuff was really taking place. Like the so, New Alpha. Jersey, got it. Yes, it was in the New Jersey area of the book. Uh, was just really rubbed me the wrong way. And um, anyway, it probably wasn't supposed to, but it did. Um, yeah, I, I, I can, un- I can understand that. It's a sci-fi book, people I know. Yeah, but well, that's always the kind of complex, though, that, that comes with that kind of, in quotations, being, though, isn't it? I mean, it, when, you, when, you're, when you're sort of out of time, you either act like the prophets who are ambivalent, mm-hmm. or you act like a Q, who is yeah, a word that I won't say on the show so he can keep it PG. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even with this, you know, um, like with this book, like I, like I just highlighted it, um, there was not just not solely with me, but like there were other folks that I know and other people that I've just seen like on, on like social media when Age of Ultron came out and Vision makes his appearance for the first time and like a, like I think it was like Thor and Iron Man or someone was like asking like who you are and uh, Vision's not really sure how to answer so he just says I am mm-hmm. and like that like really rubbed people the wrong way so people can read between the lines if they want to with what I'm with what I'm getting at and why I have an issue but no yeah I mean I can I can get that it was it was a little weird so okay. I feel a little bit better. Let's let's hear about your vindication, bud. Oh, dude, profits are forever. Yeah, man. You can't you, fixed, fixed point in time. They're fixed. They, you, you can't kill them. They are just there. And you know mm-hmm. what? The guardian of forever is guardian of never. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You cannot, it, 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 it seriously, it, it did bug me. And I don't know why I can't explain it in a, in a scientific or even a philosophical way, but it bothers me that when you have beings who are truly nonlinear, you can't, you can't destroy something that's nonlinear because they're not there. They're everywhere. It literally is almost an ambivalent thing. It's just there. It's its own fixed point in time. If you could destroy that, then time it would have no meaning at that point. To me, it would have no it would have no meaning. So you know, we had the 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 orb of time go dark, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it reignites. The, the The prophets were not destroyed. The temple was destroyed in in our timeline here. But the prophets were not destroyed. And they're not different prophets either. They're the same, the same prophets. Yeah. And that, you know, the, the end of Kira, uh, Kira was she in this line was the hand of the prophets. The only, the, the, the only on, one. Yeah, the only hand because 
her effective purpose was to provide this fixed point with the orb of time to physically touch the orb and have her own little moment of time with mm -hmm. this right right same prophets it doesn't matter if you destroy the temple and that we, we've had this we've had this discussion though or we've had the, these these lines in ds9 where we've mined the wormhole wormhole the paw wraiths are attempting to destroy the war it actually makes the paw wraiths sort of seem like just like low tier garbage when you think about it sure because they are they are in a sense have become linear so at right, that they, point they can never truly destroy the prophets because they're linear you're fighting linear versus non-linear and i don't you you couldn't they, they couldn't win effectively they could destroy the temple so like th there was a point that you think you were um starting to raise uh you're like i don't know how to like really tackle this like philosophically or whatever and i'm this is probably going to be like a craptastic attempt at it but the thing that comes to mind, for whatever reason, is the first law of biogenesis, which states that life cannot come from lifelessness, which I think parallels, uh, in a sense, um, the philosophical argument of an uncaused first cause. So that there always has to be something that has been in order for other things to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and therefore, life cannot come from lifelessness, first law of biogenesis. So perhaps, like, in this case, the prophets are that first caused, the first ca caused, uncaused, whatever, whatever I just said. Um, words are hard right now. And so I think like from a phil philosophical, from a scientific vantage point, it makes sense that the prophets aren't just up and destroyed. They are outside of time. But as we see in terms of how they set things up, they can occupy both linear and nonlinear time in choosing to have like Kira be the hand of the prophets to be able to effectively screw with the timeline so that things can always be so that yeah. life can continue on essentially. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's another point to point out where, so The prophets have obviously meddled. Obviously, yes, they time. have obviously meddled, yeah. And in this case, you have a the Davidians who are mm -hmm. clearly above the understanding of a lot of our of our characters because they they've obviously had lines absorbed and they haven't always won they've lost hundreds of times right. all that good sort of stuff but for a non-linear being it doesn't matter what timeline it is it doesn't matter what time they choose to show they just they show and there was clearly help here they clearly had a design plan and it just so happens that it materialized at this moment so in all, the Davidians could never win in totality. Mm -hmm. But this was just the time at which they lost, which is insanely profound in a way, because at that point, 
as long as the prophets don't turn into like just evil <laughs> there is the potential that I mean pending the natural course of things if they make a decision you're good and if you believe them to be your gods that is extremely reassuring yes I mean that that if that's not faith affirming I don't know what is like <laughs> yeah <laughs> well my gods uh I mean they save time once or twice it's fine it's fine listen to, to end the point I'm glad that they tied them back in I'm glad that they didn't try and do this whole kill off the non-linear beings I'm glad that they even had the little blurb with the, the Guardian of Forever coming back, brief, you know, oh, Guardian of, I'm the Guardian of Never, you know, and then, you know, kind of doing his thing. So, it, it, to me, I think they delineated fixed points in time, and that just satisfies my little brain. <laughs> it just satisfies me on a way yeah. that some things just don't. And we will save the... Uh all the physics and the string theory stuff for Eric since he's our resident physicist. Oh boy, oh boy. Yes. So, anyway, we are... Um, I think there's like maybe... I mean, I made a, I made a kind of a to-do out of it um, earlier, but um, I'll say this and then like we can start like our little farewell tour like in earnest and stuff. Uh, were you, I was getting like some major like I, I know it was like written way before the the twenty year lit verse was really even established, but I was getting some like major Imzadi book vibes, with like the whole Riker Troy Naga multiple personality disorder thing going on. I mean, we we you and I we we did that book review almost a year ago by now. Oh, wow, has it been that long? It, I mean, it's been a minute, I want to say. I mean, I want to say it was like around... It was like sometime in like the spring, maybe early summer when we did it, okay. if I'm not mistaken. But, like, we we saw a very angry Riker uh, at that point, who I think was also an admiral, if I'm not mistaken, in that book. Or at least one of the timelines or something like that. I could be wrong. Anyway. Yeah, I think so. But even then, like, we had, like, that the whole discussion of, like, what the Imzadi stuff is, like, the looking into each other and, like, the deeper parts and stuff like that. And then we finally see some payoff of, like, finally getting him to, like, stand down and, you know, do whatever, basically. And I, I, I liked it and I disliked it at the same time. I liked it because I liked the imagery that I was seeing in my head of how the scene was playing out. And like, I know I give it kind of some crap. Like when we were doing like the, uh, the, the, the discussion with, um, discovery season three, like with, you know, connecting Adira to the past, um, tall hosts and stuff like that, going to the spaghetti warehouse. But I was kind of getting like that type of image in my head whenever we were, like using a mind meld essentially to like move past the noise of like what's going on. And I, I thought that it was written pretty well. The thing I disliked about it is how long it took to get there. Cause effectively 
we had like a very irritable, angry, cantankerous Riker for all of Ashes of Tomorrow in the first three-fourths of this book. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a little too much. I thought it was like a little overkill. This is something like, I mean, what's done is done. Like, I mean, I don't dislike it, you know, just because of this. But like, I feel like this is something that could have been like resolved maybe a little bit sooner. Like, I know you need tension in the story. I know you need it. Look, I know you need it. But it just seemed like it was just put off way too long. And I'd be interested in your thought on that. Well, let, let me start by asking you a question. <clears throat> yeah. So let's say, hypothetically, Chase, you're a, you know, we'll just say you're a lieutenant commander aboard, uh, you know, a certain ship called whatever, the Titan. And, uh, you know, you're part of this crew and, uh, you know, been in Starfleet a while, lieutenant commander. Um, you know, you've known... Years. You've known known the crew, you've known the admiral, you know, captain, all that good sort of stuff. And um, oh yeah, by the way, the world's ending around you, and your old admiral is acting like a complete lunatic. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, world's ending around you, uh, lunatic admiral. Check. Uh, you know they've imprisoned your captain. Mm. Uh, clearly spying on his wife uh, destroys a ready room hopefully doesn't have a, a you know fish in there uh, you know so at what point do you have enough oh it's when uh, y you get smacked look I get the whole military discipline thing I, I, I get the hierarchy the chain of command but look if the world's ending around me and the Admiral is literally going insane, at that point I'm probably taking a sidearm on stun and just like getting this done. It's like, alright, who wants to go with him? <laughs> His little aides there, it's like, you want some? Because I'll zap you. <laughs> I've had enough! I'm on the edge! Breakfast ends at 11. Um, <laughs> it took way too long. To your point, it took way too long. And I, and I actually... I'll, maybe maybe it's just me. But even the resolution, it just felt a little bit more shallow to me than Worf. Because Worf was like this whole big thing. It was the first mm -hmm. thing. And then Riker... Like, I love the, the whole Imzadi sort of... Um, connection finally coming to fruition and like even having Riker at the very end being able to be in this connection and actually speak and convey emotion and have emotion conveyed to him that was really cool oh yeah conveniently we have a Vulcan on the ship too to do the mind meld to calm you down but it just you know that it was fine it was fine I was just sure. happy to have like the real Riker back instead of nutso Riker they just, mm -hmm. I, I felt like they just dragged it on too much. But I'll tell you, that's another, that's another heartbreaking end though, too. Yeah. I mean, th yeah, that's, yeah, that was, that was a tough one. Yeah. And just hearing like, even like the, the name drop of, of, uh, Kestra Thad, even in this book. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like good grief, man. Like at first it happens like with um, his daughter, Natasha, and then it happens again with Thad and Kestra in this book. I mean, yeah. can, can we, can we break his heart enough for crying out loud? Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it was, everybody in this timeline knew it was done. They knew what they had to do, but it doesn't make anything easier. I mean, no. just because you accept ultimately your faith or your fate, uh, it doesn't, doesn't make anything any easier. You still have the protectorate type of deal going on, um, but yeah, that was that was very that was rough. That was a rough one, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because the other thing too is Deanna didn't go down fighting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it's it's always going to be a thing. You you have warriors and you have non-combatants. I mean, effectively, and not to not to boil it down to the cold reality, but she was collateral damage effectively yeah essentially she was yeah in, in a much larger much larger uh instance they just kind of you know shielding your your kid kind of kind of made me think of like kobe bryant with you know how with, yeah. with the yeah you know and shield you know i don't know how true any of that is you know it could be more feeling than anything but they talked about potentially like him trying to shield his daughters they were going down in that that uh, helicopter crash um so well and the same thing with alternate deanna too with renee you know she uh, trying to shield renee and then you know luke giving renee the extra you know his oxygen canister and all that sort of stuff there's a lot of there's a lot of great human nature uh there is pieces in here where even though you know it's all going to end that you still have people that are trying to save each other even for a little bit little bit more of a scrap of time you know what i mean so i i think that 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 was really well done very very well done yeah i uh the for some reason, like the, the the like the Renee stuff just kept like really getting to me. I mean, because like we well, he's know six, he's he, six yeah, in like a nineteen-year-old's body, right? And just like what's been happening to him since the first book in the Coda series is just heartbreaking. Yeah, like we we have it. Like his youth has been effectively stolen from him. Yeah. He's confused. He's a stranger in his own body. And and then we have this. I mean, like the Renee stuff. I mean, like Renee is the dream of of Picard, you know, for crying out loud. And the Picard name, the Picard family. And like the fact that Beverly and, and Picard finally got together. They had a kid together. And they had Wesley, you know, like right. as an older brother, an older half-brother. Um, I don't know. Um, I thought I thought it was. I, I like the development, and and to your point of like you know just grabbing at every single inch, every centimeter, millimeter, whatever, of of a moment in time to to just try and live that much longer was was very well done. Which even though it was kind of like a throwaway, and it kind of felt like a 
yeah, let's just throw it in just because, but like just the, the moment, like how do we capture a moment type of thing? Like with what Anish is saying, both insurrection and even for a moment in this book, I thought kind of connected it. I mean, maybe a little haphazardly, but still connected it pretty decent. Yeah. I, I suppose. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I just didn't care for the wrap up with Picard. Like with, just, with with going from like encounter at Farpoint to the destruction of the D to eventually I, Star Trek Picard. I didn't think it was necessary. I, I, I thought it was I, I thought that, that was too much of a smack of nostalgia that just that didn't that didn't need to it didn't need to happen. In, in my opinion. I'm not sure. saying it wasn't it was bad. I'm just saying I, I don't I I didn't really feel it. I was like, oh listen. I understand what they were trying to do. I think they were being a little too pragmatic with the very end of this book. If it were me, I would have just ended it with blink and then Picard on the bridge of his ship at a time and then just being like kind of looking out the distance and maybe Riker saying, Everything everything all right, Captain? Yes, number one, you know, and just like go on from there. Like you're back in the prime timeline. Yeah. And nobody's the wiser. How they can't be. Or even even uh the end of the events of uh first contact. You know what I mean? That's where yeah. we pick up. At the very end of uh, first contact, going home after they've taken care of the Borg threat. I think that would have been more apropos, and that continues the story. And look, the Benny thing yeah. at the end. I understand. I love that episode of DS9 where we introduced, you know, the alternate Benjamin Sisko writing novels. I really love that. I love the message of the what the message sure. was. Sure. I didn't like the tie-in in the book. I just don't. Sorry. Didn't like the tie-in in the book. I think you should have just ended the line and then picked back up in the prime because at that point it's still going it's still a matter of fact we're still here we've saved it and i think that this leaves it too ambi- it, it leaves it too ambiguous for me leaves it too ambiguous sure. sure i think the point that the um like this next phase of star trek storytelling is to have much more uh, like standalone stories like we've been seeing with the Picard books right like with Last Best Hope Dark Veil right uh, what was it Chaos Rising I think it was the third one mm. and we have another one coming out in May of 2022 that's going to be called Second Self um, and regardless of what we think about the book that cannot be named I mean like it's in the same vein too of like these standalone stories so I can see what they're doing you know, in terms of like trying to like say, yep, here's our bow. We're done with it. See, we're here. We're here now. We're here in the current current uh, timeline of Star Trek type of thing. Uh, we're we're Are now we here. Though? Question mark. That was well, my... I mean, because the whole thing is, is that all they did was do branches again. They, they just continued. Well, oh, here's Picard where he didn't stay in the academy. Here's, you know, here's Picard meeting. Beverly for the first time you know here's this that and the other I'm not saying it's 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 bad but I think you just 
it would have it would I don't know it's just personal preference I just think it would have been more apropos to go back into the prime timeline you've you've accomplished your mission we're following the prime timeline anyway I mean that mm-hmm. look we we know what happens to Picard from a canon standpoint or at least current canon because we have a show about it right just right. set it up it's an easy tee shot but I, th- I again the the, the Benny tie-in it is that weird matrix moment where is this all the story in someone's head or is it the the universe giving the story to Benny I'm not saying it's it's bad I'm just saying that I don't really think that it was necessary sure for this it's, story it's, it's different and um, yeah, I, I guess in a way it's just open interpretation and sometimes that's just for the best I guess yeah yeah like it, not bad yeah. it's fine well, speaking of not bad, it's fine. Let's do our evaluation. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you didn't see that one coming. I didn't. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> so we do our. So for anyone listening to um, a book review for the first time, we do it um, based out of um, uh, five, five stars, or just five in general. So. Yeah, I think last time I don't remember what yours was, but I remember mine was a three. I think you were a little bit higher than me. Yeah, I think I think I was. I think I was a little higher. So yeah, I gave Ashes of Tomorrow like a three, or a three something. That's all I remember. Yeah. If only there was a spreadsheet where I could write <laughs> things down and track this easier, that would be fantastic. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I can go first. That's fine. Um, look, I, I, I understand what, what the writers were going for in this series. I'm not a fan of time stuff. I'm just not, I'll be honest. It's because that sort of stuff scares the hell out of me. If it were real, because it, it boils down existence to a super minuscule, almost, um, fate fate to fate oriented I don't really believe in fate I believe in you know I don't believe in pre predestination I just I don't want to I don't want to believe that we're we're all just going down the line and that there's nothing we can do about it I, I don't like to think about that personally I like to think that we have choice that choice is a real thing so when I get into time stuff I get a little odd about it. It's actually kind of one of the things that I can't appreciate about Doctor Who because at least at times it looks like they can make a choice. Even though some things are locked, some things you can make choices on. Okay. So from that standpoint, I can watch some of that. Um, but the, the book overall, I mean, just not trying to be too hypercritical. They tried to stuff way too much in. It made the story feel very bloated. It was way too long. It was it, it could have been shortened, in, in my opinion. Um, and the, the storylines, I don't think, flowed as well as perhaps I would have liked them to. But I, but I understand the overall gist, and that's mm-hmm. okay. But there was some stuff that got lost in the sauce because there were just too many characters. Too many characters. Like I said, I don't know what happened to Brashear. I have to understand he was just killed by the Borg, though. I don't, but I don't right. remember it. I don't recall what happened to him to him at all and there are several people I don't recall 
Um, you know, again, Christine Vale just got shrapnel in her neck. Tuvok is just, you know, he blew his back out on a panel. I don't, I don't know what happened to these guys. So anyway, uh, I, I like some of the goodbyes. I think that the very end of the book was extremely good. So I think it wrapped pretty well, aside from the last little Picard yeah. thing that I just, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, it's just not in me to really feel that that's the best way to wrap up this book. But it is what it is. I'm not a writer. Um, but there, there were some really, truly beautiful human moments, and there were some really, truly beautiful character moments. Um, and for that, I can be very appreciative of the book. But it, at the end of the day, it was... I don't know if it was the best one in the series. I, it probably was just because of some of the, the best points of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sometimes it it felt a little bit too too fan servicey, like a little little too nostalgic sure. and for its own good. So, as far as a rating, uh, I don't want to rake it over the coal. And it was ra- it's been rated pretty high from a lot of the sites like Goodreads, Amazon, all that stuff. It's been rated pretty high, like high fours and so forth. I can't I can't I can't attempt to go that high on it. It wasn't it wasn't that good. Um, but I also want to be realistic. I, I'm tempted to just like I'm tempted to just say an even four, but I'm really hinging on like dropping it a little bit. But I'm just gonna say an even four because at least in this book, there were points where I was really captivated by what was going on, more so than I had felt for any of the other books. But because of some of the the writing style and the clashing and the overindulgence, it, it, it's kind of like. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you've got like a four, you know, I don't know, we'll just call it a seven-tiered German chocolate cake with really heavy icing in it. It's like, I just want a slice, but your grandma says, no, you're having a lot. And you're just trying <laughs> to pound through this cake like the, the kid in Matilda. It's just, it's just too much. It's just too much cake. So uh, four, solid four, I think, is where I have to be All at. Right. I'm going to go ahead and ask, um, what was your, of the three, what was your favorite book? To be honest, I don't know if I can answer that because I don't remember the other two. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I, I mean, I, the, the middle one I felt was a true middle book, so I can't, I don't connect very well with middle anything unless we're talking about Two Towers. Um, but the first one was fine, and I hadn't mentioned this, this uh, another thing another slight knock against it this was entirely too predictable mm-hmm. the the the, sto- the the ending it was it was it was way too predictable for me i knew this wasn't the the prime timeline i knew the prophets weren't dead like just in my head i just knew these things so it was it, it, there weren't any twists and turns sometimes gotcha. you have to have those i would probably say this is probably the best one out of all of them though just again because of how beautiful it was at the end okay very good so for me, uh, there were there was um, a good amount of confusion that I had at times uh, with the, with the content of of this story, uh, whether I was reading it or I was listening to the audiobook of it. And uh, I mean, like like David points out, I mean, it, it was a very beautiful ending. Uh, like like I, like I even took the time to say like with with Jordy and data like that was just like 
just the thing that stood out the most to me in this story. Um, not that like the Picard and like the the wharf stuff didn't, you know, like with Renee and um, Kalar and, and them, you know, like with their respective families. It's not that that wasn't pointing. I mean, that was very pointing. Those are those are beautiful moments. But like just, I guess it's just like the friendship that Data and and Jordy had with each other, like on screen and like. Whether they're the, the real, the not real, the prime, the not prime, doesn't matter. Um, like, their friendship just has always, like, really stood out to me as, as an audience member. Um, in the end, um, I, I did enjoy this book. Um, I, I really did. And there were, like, there are still, like, some questions I have about, like, even Kira and the Prophets a little bit. Um, and like that, that story point, uh, there are, I guess like still like a few question marks, even about like some of like the Borg timeline stuff just a little bit. And I mean, it, it's, it's leaving me with some questions, which is not inherently a bad thing because I mean, that, I mean, I think good stories, they can leave you with enough room to kind of dream and to kind of like wonder what's up, what could be type of thing. So I'm not knocking it for that. Um, that being said, I'm kind of in the general vicinity that David is in. Um, I was thinking like a four, maybe like a 4.1 type of thing with this story. Um, there, there's there's definitely some good stuff to it but like David said like this is just really freaking long like for I mean not that you know 400 pages is necessary what would I say like 400 some odd pages yeah yeah like not that 422 pages is necessarily really long I mean like that's like just getting started for a Harry Potter book for crying out loud yeah <laughs> so um, it, it's not bad it's just that the pacing like is just a little uneven, just ever so uneven in this book. So um, I think for that reason, I'm just gonna like stick with like a four, four point oh five, something like that. Um, and uh, for me, I'm I'm torn a little bit. Um, Ashes of Tomorrow is my least favorite of it, and it's it's not necessarily because it's the middle book, other than like. It was just like the pacing was all over the place, and with with Ashes of Tomorrow, I just didn't. I was not the biggest fan of Ashes of Tomorrow. I mean, it's not. It was necessary, like as a story, to be what it was. Just wasn't a fan of it. I'm. I lean a little bit more towards Moments Asunder as being my favorite. So Book One being my favorite, but this has really good stuff too. I just. I just really wish that like the angsty angry Riker stuff just wouldn't have taken like three quarters of the book it was just yeah. entirely too long entirely too long um, and that as you pointed out like as I pointed out and, and kind of you know put out there I, I do wish that this would have been structured more like a Lord of the Rings kind of book where we have like like maybe three parts like part one it's you know Borg and Prophets for example and then part two it's Data and war for whatever and part three is like the universe ending climax thing like the ultimate you know avengers versus thanos and the chitauri type of thing that would have been that would have been fine 
So, but I mean, it's still a good book. I do, uh, I do recommend this book. I do recommend this series, especially if you've been reading like the Star Trek lit verse for the past 20 years. I think this is, it's good. And even if you haven't read it, I said this on the very first one with um, Moments Asunder, that this is, I think, the way that they start it is a lot like how they started um, Doctor Who in 2005. Like, they say enough at the beginning to where it doesn't matter if you haven't read 20 years or 50, 60 years at that point, whatever, 40 years, whatever, doesn't matter. Like, you don't need all the 40 years of back history. You don't need the 20 years of back history. I mean, if you do, that's just like icing on the cake. That's the cherry on top. But you can still appreciate it, still enjoy this series, I think, even now at the end of book three without having all the other stuff. And I don't know, maybe David and I will eventually go through all that. I don't know. At some point, we'll see. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we've got to read Imzadi too, so. We do. Well, there, <laughs> there is another book that um, is coming out, and it's a Deep Space Nine book called Revenant um, that will probably be uh, taking a stab at. And um, it looks like, just based on the cover art, like it might be a Jadzia and Kira focused type of book, but okay, if it's so, any, but so but, but, yeah, so it's going to be about Brashear, got it? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if it's anything like Shadows Have Offended, it will not be. <laughs> Good grief! No, that that'll be that'll finally be Worf's book. <laughs> First chapter, Kronos, Captain's log. I don't know the star date. I've just taken command of the Prometheus. In space. We Wait, was didn't, that, mention, we didn't was mention that in here, but they still did that whole annoying. I find it annoying. It's like Titan in space. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Sorry. Was, was that was that a good Petkoff wharf that I just did? I, I felt like that was pretty decent. Look, if we want to rag on Robert Petkoff, we can. No, no, no. It's good. Like I we mean, don't want to. Because it's Benjamin Sisko. No. We cannot upset the Petkoff gods, I'm just saying. <laughs> Wrap it up. We already did the reviews. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you know, just because we're already running a little long for a book review, let's just let's drag it out even more with yeah. a good old-fashioned Twitter poll. <whistles> all right, David. So I polled the people of the Twitter. Okay. And, um, it was a, I mean, it was a huge, huge sample size and we will not go there. And, uh, anyways, the, the question this go around was which Star Trek ship has the most appeal discovery Cerritos or the La Serena. Okay. You did incorporate lower decks. People love lowered. <laughs> I did. I did. I even hashtagged it too. Look at that, man. I'm using them there hashtags. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll just skip to the results, unless you want to tell me which one you would vote for. Uh, so the La Serena was um, what's card? Was yeah, yeah, it was with uh, 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 Rios. Rios's ship. Yeah. I, mm, so I have a kind of a thing about like. I think it would be okay. So let's say, yeah, being a Starfleet would be cool. Galaxy class starship being all cool and in your uniform, but there is also something 
very much uh, Star Warsy about just having your own ship and kind of being a little rogue dude out there. So, I mean, out of those, La Serena, I think I, I would probably pick that if it was just like mine and I had my little hologram buddies and so forth and my my uh, iocean, you know, fast talking girlfriend. That'd be fun. Dude, I would love to see you as an emergency concierge hologram. I'm just saying. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. With your little, like, pad folio ready to do whatever. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, of the three, the one I like the most is the La Serena also. Um, but the people of the Twitter have voted. Okay. In third place, with 23.5% of the vote, is in fact the La Serena. Uh, in second place, with 35.3% of the vote, the Discovery. Oh, what? And went and and taking the 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 win, getting a little a little addition to the win column. With 41.2% of the vote, we have the Cerritos. That makes zero sense. Like, is, is Twitter just a lower decks crowd? I got me. I mean, look, it's clearly Discovery. It has a spore drive. Like, if you're smart about it, that is clearly the best ship. I don't know, man. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, we're, we're not talking about, like, you have to be commanded by Michael Burnham or Rios or whatever, or, uh, Remember the captain of Freeman. Freeman, you're the captain. Which ship would you captain? The Spore Drive one, because it's the best of the ships. <laughs> you can go anywhere with the stupid mm -hmm. spores. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Look, I, that's surprising. That's one of the more surprising ones that's that's happened for me. I mean, the Spore Drive. You're going to be upsetting the mushroom people, but hey, you're right. I don't care about this mushroom. I'll kick those mushroom people. <laughs> Don't tell I'll, that to I'll, Mary. I'll saute those mushroom people. Yeah, you will in about a month. Put them, I'm some, bur to you. Put them with some burgundy wine and top them on top of steak with some gorgonzola. Mm. Eat those bastards. Anyway, sorry. You can Good cut grief. out my mushroom people. If you no, want. that's staying in. That's staying in, man. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Goodness. For for this um, this uh, book review on um, Oblivion's Gate and um, how David has a thing for uh, for mushroom people and sautéing them. Love it. Uh, what do you think of the episode? Uh, not the episode. What do you think of the book? There we go. What do you think of our episode too? Let us know. Check us out trtvpod.com. Uh, you can leave your comments there. Uh, we'd love to hear your opinions. The, the just because the show ends doesn't mean the discussion ends. So um, check us out. Connect with us on all the socials. Trtvpod um, at trtvpod on all the things: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to um, get a hold of us directly, make, make sure you open up hailing frequencies. Um, enter in trtvpod at gmail.com you can also send a voice only transmission to 817-752-4757 remember there's a three minute limit before the uh, the universe and all the timelines end so be quick about it and just before you don't exist anymore basically now if you do want to uh, mail us something 
like, I don't know, a Vulcan that can do a mind meld, first off, poke some holes so the Vulcan can breathe in the box. Or if you want to send us like a pad so that we can hit a button and all the, all the timelines can end too, that's great. Please put a warning on it. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.